Part three, chapter ten of Life and Lillian Gish. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Life and Lillian Gish by Albert Bigelow Payne. Part three, chapter ten. Reinhardt. Lillian at the Drake Hotel in New York was kept busy declining offers of engagements ranging from vaudeville through matrimony and pictures to this so-called legitimate stage maurice matterlink wrote to a friend i should be all the more happy to undertake the scenario you speak of in that it concerns lillian gish who is the great star of the cinema that among all i admire but no other has so much talent or is so natural so sympathetic so moving lillian concluded a contract with the united artists for three pictures to be directed by max reinhardt foremost director and producer of europe the company had a contract with reinhardt and it was on their promise that he should direct her that lillian signed with them her plan had its inception a year earlier she said during a visit of reinhardt's to los angeles my connection with reinhardt was this in nineteen twenty three twenty four i had seen his stage production of the miracle with lady diana manners and rosamond pinchot morris guest brought it over and at the time had asked me to play the part of the nun reinhardt who had seen something of mine i suppose the white sister had suggested this i could not do it because of my contract I was then on the eve of returning to Italy to make Ramallah. I did not meet Reinhardt until he was in California with the miracle. With Rudolf Comer and Carl Van Mueller, he came out to our Santa Monica house for luncheon. Before luncheon, we went to the studio and ran, I think, Broken Blossoms. Then in the afternoon, La Boheme and The Scarlet Letter. They seemed to please him. He spoke no English, and I spoke no German at the time. Comer served as interpreter. It was then that Reinhardt suggested that we might work together. He had never made a picture, but was eager to try. He had spent thirty-five years in the theater and was tired of it. He had theaters in Berlin and Vienna, the finest in Europe. From Kansas City, Reinhardt and Comer telegraphed. Once more, we want to thank you for that most fascinating Sunday you gave us. We greet you as the supreme emotional actress of the screen and hope fervently that the near future will bring us in closer contact on the stage and on the screen. Please do not forget Salzburg when you come to Europe. We shall be waiting for you. Salzburg was Reinhardt's home, where in an ancient castle, Leopoldskron, he kept open house. For a horde of congenial guests reinhardt and comer had spoken of a picture they would prepare when she came to new york now at the drake hotel they started on a story for it reinhardt meantime had brought over a company and was producing midsummer night's dream and danton's toad reinhardt lillian said talked to her about theresa newman the peasant miracle girl of Konersruth on every friday except feast days 
when through the entire sufferings of christ the blood trickling from stigmata on her forehead her hands and her feet nobody but those who have seen it will believe it but her case is a very celebrated one and has been studied by scientists of germany and austria and of other countries reinhardt believed that a great miracle picture could be based on the case of theresa newman and lillian agreed with him she would come to leopoldskron and would go to see theresa newman for herself i must do that of course she said and familiarize myself with the lives of the peasantry of which she was one in april mother miss davis and i sailed for hamburg we arrived at cuxhaven early one morning mother had to be carried to the train and to a private car reinhardt was already over there his secretary met us and mr melnitz head of the united artists in germany at hamburg we put mother to bed for two hours she had been up since half past four nurse and i had not slept all night we took train for berlin arriving at six in the evening i had not realized that germany is like america in the matter of news i supposed we would go quietly instead we found the station literally jammed with people all trying to get around us it was terribly hard on poor mother there were a dozen or two cameramen and when they found they couldn't all take pictures of lillian they got around mrs gish who was in a big chair carried with poles she could not tell them that she did not want her picture taken and she began to cry when at last they got into an automobile all the cameramen and reporters jumped into other cars and came racing behind taking pictures all the way to the hotel during the next few days lillian was too nervous to give more than a few interviews reinhardt comforted her by saying that no artist ever came into germany with such a reception from the press at berlin lillian consulted professor vogt head of the kaiser wilhelm institute supposed to know more than anyone else about cases like her mother's professor vogt said that he could not do very much for mrs gish but warned lillian that she herself was likely to be headed in the same direction he advised that her mother be taken to dr sims sanatorium at new babelsburg advice promptly followed mrs gish remained there a year to lillian in berlin came this letter o smallest blonde you must not think of any other place but leopoldskron max reinhardt and we all would think we had failed completely to please you besides the hotels are now terribly overcrowded and you would be perfectly miserable there so please do overcome any inhibitions and come to leopoldskron i am expecting your wire about train and hour we are just having anthony asquith and elizabeth babesco here this means the whole castle is one flaming song in glorium lilian gish i do hope that professor vogt will entirely satisfy the expectations of your poor mother my sincerest wishes and regards to her schloss comer and salzburg are sending you loving greetings au revoir yours ever 
R. K. Comer. I went to Salzburg, Lillian said, to Leopoldskron. Reinhardt and his secretary, Miss Adler, were on the train, and Comer was at the station to meet us. Leopoldskron is a huge place, a little way out of Salzburg, built hundreds of years ago. I don't know how many rooms it has, but only candles were used to light them. I was much impressed when we drove up to it and when we got inside. There were ever so many guests, distinguished persons from everywhere. It was like a great hotel and has three dining rooms. Among the guests was the poet Hugo von Hofmannsthal, who had come to work on the story we had planned for our picture. Comer got me a maid, Josephine, whom I afterwards brought to America. We worked three weeks on our story that time. Then I went to Paris for a fortnight. Then to Mother at New Babelsburg. Later I went to Leopoldskron for another three weeks to meet Mr. Joe Schenk, who had come over to hear the story. Frances Marion was in Salzburg by that time. She said we had a wonderful theme. Schenk also liked it, said we should go back to Hollywood as quickly as possible and make it. Possibly he suspected that something was likely to happen, something like an earthquake in the picture world. Off there in that corner of Austria, we never dreamed of it. I was anxious to see something of Austrian peasant life at close range. At Leopoldskron was the artist Feistauer. He himself was a peasant, and he asked me to pose for him. So we made a bargain. I agreed that if he and his wife would go with me, I would get a car, pay the expenses of the trip, and he could take us to the part of the country he knew. If he would do this, I would pose for him. He was quite willing, and we arranged our party. There were five of us besides the chauffeur, Feistauer and his wife, von hoffmannstahl's son raymond myself and josephine my maid it was a wonderful experience i saw peasant life as i should never have seen it otherwise we would stay a day and a night in a peasant house huge houses they had like those in the schwarzwald with their animals in one part of it their food was a coarse bread milk and potatoes placed on a kind of framework in the middle of the table. I was so impressed with it all, different from anything I had ever seen. The great room below, the small chambers above. The combined living room and kitchen was sometimes very beautiful. The great cooking stoves, so unlike any I had known. Beautiful, too, because primitive. We came one day to a house where a man walked out to meet us, carrying a child in his arms, leading another. I thought he had the most wonderful face I had ever seen, a perfect Christus. He was followed by some geese, two dogs, and a baby lamb. He came up and greeted us with the word they use with strangers, Freiskot, and led us to the house. He apparently knew Feistauer, but his greeting to him was the same as to us. We sat down for a little, then he took Raymond and myself through the house. 
we were there perhaps an hour in all when we had gone i said to feistower if you should ever wish to paint the christus i should think you would use that man he is nearer my idea of the christ than anyone i have ever seen feistower said i have done so often he is my brother because feistower had given up the land to be a painter in town he was in a sense an outcast a stranger no more than any other of our party it was at the end of my second visit to salzburg that i saw the miracle girl teresa newman at connersruth i was on the way to see mother again and stopped off there she was to be the subject of our picture and it was very necessary that i see her no one is allowed to do so without special permission i had letters from the archbishop of regensburg josephine my maid went with me i found poor the very poorest accommodations in the peasant village where teresa newman lived she is just a peasant girl herself the eldest of eleven children about thirty years old when i was there hundreds try to see her but only members of the clergy or those with special permits can get near her on the days of the miracle there was no charge of any sort and her people are very poor helped a little by the church it is the most amazing sight in the world her ecstasy begins about one o'clock friday morning and lasts until noon the wounds which are closed and black between times open and blood flows from them from those on her hands and feet from the spear wound in her side and the thorn wounds on her forehead tears of blood drip from her eyes run down her cheeks and stain her white gown i was within three feet of her and saw all this i don't expect anyone to believe these things but i saw them exactly as i have said and if it is trickery it is beyond anything of the sort i have ever heard of i asked her to pray for mother and i believe she did mother got better so it may have helped the miracle has been accounted for in many ways both by skeptics and believers the believer a priest who talked about it to me called her a child of grace which may be as good an explanation as any if one knew what it meant dozens of books have been written about her perhaps she is all mind but that seems a poor explanation it is claimed that she has not taken food or drink for a number of years incredible of course but no more so than the things i saw end of part three chapter ten recording by john brandon